0: Uh, Michael Canarns, thanks for talking to Film Ireland. Lovely to be here. Yeah, you're a good friend of the film base. Um, you, you did teach on their masters. Uh, I thought you actually. <laughs> you yeah, shall. yeah. a bit of backstory. I first met you in 2007. Um, I was in transition, you were doing work experience mm. and you were uh, mixing the sound on your short film, Tree Climber.
1: Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, so I remember yeah, you came into some... We um, were an art now, wasn't it? Yeah. By so we go back a long way, you know, don't Yeah, no, but so be, be, be nice to me. I turned out,
0: turn out doing the. Um, I, I was on the film based masters in uh, digital filmmaking. Uh, you were a screenwriting lecturer, mm-hmm. and the week after you finished teaching a screen light, screenwriting, uh, Stranger Land got greenlit. Yeah. So we were yeah. all like thrilled. And I remember seeing you one day at the top of Grafton Street, and I just shook your hand very quickly, just saying congratulations, and then went off. And. Um, yeah, so I haven't spoken to you since, but I was just kind of—I just wanted to congratulate you about Stranger Love. Thank thank you. Thank like, you. Um, yeah, it's—it's
1: it's, it's funny, yeah, So you're—you know, being around that time was quite—it was—it was a very exciting time, I suppose. And you're—you finally go, this is going to happen, you know, and you, you, it, it was great, and, and everyone was really, really. Yeah, it was just lovely that you know people around FilmBase base are also, you know, congratulating. Or it's just everyone's in it together, so it was great.
0: It's good support for each other. Like, yeah. um, I—I'm I, just wondering what what did it feel like when it got green and it's. Uh, People like Nicole Kidman and Hugo Weaving have signed up to it. Like, it would, like, what, what does that feel like? Yeah, it's it's
1: a little surreal, I suppose. To be honest, it, it part of it doesn't feel. I think uh, you know, like a lot of Irish filmmakers and writers, and directors. You know, I've been doing it quite a while. I've been in around the industry for quite a while, and you're you're just making your own stuff. You're concentrating on that, and suddenly this this project kind of landed on me, and then um, the next thing you know, I work on this script, and the next thing about a year and a half later, it's we've cast and. It's a dream come true, you know, and you know it's gonna open doors and all that stuff. But it doesn't kind of feel real at some level. Um, and another level, it feels kind of, Jesus is a great relief. You're going like, actually, I could have a career in this, you <laughs> know. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was it was a really exciting time. Uh, how did um, how
0: did it come together? Am I right in saying that MacDara Kellyver was involved and introduced you to Fiona Series who'd been writing script, or it, it kind
1: of it, it. So Mac had met. The director Kim Ferrand in Berlin and Kim had this project basically she had it was her kind of idea that she had worked on with Fiona um, and they got it to a level but they could never get really the funding and um, it sort of had been abandoned and they had moved on from the, the Australian producers they had a script but it wasn't really kind of going anywhere and Fiona was sort of had felt that she could she was where she could take it. So Matt came on board, finally got the rights and he had, um, I had worked with him a few times before and often I would do his, he would send me scripts just if he was thinking of optioning them as, and I would do notes on them for like, you know, what I thought of them. Okay. So he had sent me the script, um, just when he was thinking about, an option, because I had you know, it definitely had something in it, but it was, it needed a bit of work and so I'd written this kind of 15 page half diatribe half kind of this is amazing but it's so <laughs> far off what it should be and and then about whatever a year later we got he got the rights to it and then he got a small bit of money from the film board and he was looking, and I got the sort of gig out of it that way I think. But so I mean was it originally intended that
0: you would be giving feedback on the script? Um, no no it was no it was just that was just the kind of way
1: it it, it, it kind of I think Michael realised because I had an, a vision for what the project could be and he we, we'd known each other and he sort of felt that I was the right person to do it then when he got, when he finally got his hands on it. Oh. um, So that kind of came out that way, you know, and let's be honest, I think probably because I was at that coming up stage and they had only a, a limited amount of development funding, I mean, they weren't going to be able to get a, a bigger screenwriting name to be honest. So it was, a, it was like a punt in the dark for everyone, like in terms of for Mac, it was just like he was trying to get this this project back off the ground, and there was it was a shot at our kids. Like for for me, it was a chance to do something uh, really interesting that I kind of really pretty strong sense of how I could make it work. Um, but you just didn't know if there was something going to come out of it, you know. So that's how. It worked.
0: Well, I mean, you have all these big names involved and like you're shooting in Australia. Did you go down to Australia at all and work with anyone? Yeah, or? yeah, I did.
1: I got to go down for, I was there for about two months in total. Uh, so amazingly for, we had three weeks rehearsals, which is really rare. You that know, is so, so rare. You yeah, had that rare. much time to Yeah. I mean, and, and kudos to, to Kim again for insisting on it. So it was great. So I flew down the week before and then we worked with the actors interrogated the script really really strongly mm. um, and it was so it was an amazing experience for me to get your, your it was just me the director and the actors in a room together for three weeks working really closely on it. so it was more like almost a, a working in the old the, the theatre tradition you know in terms of really working it
0: and the, like, what kind of questions would they ask you like could you could you give them guidance on how to approach the scene or is that like the director's turf well or? I mean it's,
1: it's a bit of both I mean I think what you want to do is with a film like this it's quite um, look, look, it's 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 a mystery thriller, and it's got a hopefully strong plot. But really, it's the characters are quite you're hoping are very real and very complex, and they've a lot of stuff going on. So, and the kind of way I was hoping to write it was that you reveal information slowly, so it's a sort of slow burn. Mm. So there's a lot of it's all about what's not said and what's going on in between. You know, so it's about interrogating that that space that's going on all of the kind of what's going on between the characters and, and, and what are they thinking and so that process only by you know you work a scene that way you you're gonna get for them they're gonna get habit inhabit the characters and understand what's going on but also they're gonna bring ideas and stuff that's gonna really elevate it. Um, and particularly in terms of just language as well. Like obviously I, I'm writing in Dublin and you know a sense of Australian language but you know, there's certain colloquialisms, certain things and certain ways of saying things that they bring that just really helps. You know, so okay. All that process um, is really important. I think mean, it's really important. And, and what is the
0: process like specifically working with a co-writer who's already been developing the story? How do you work with them? Well, was,
1: it, was, it was very much me on my own. I think. Um, So Fiona was happy to, to, she had sort of felt like she had got it to where it was going, where she could take it and so she stepped, she was happy to step away from it kind of, as I said, the project kind of had been, uh, to an extent, it, it was Kim kind of driving me forward at that stage because it had pretty much had fallen apart. So it was like bringing in a whole new writer. So, um, you know, I think certainly it's not a, it's not an ideal position to to have an, another writer come in and rewrite some stuff. But I think in this Fiona was kind of happy to step away. She um, and then I was to, I took it on completely. So it was just. It was me okay. on, on the project. So project. it
0: is kind of working separately, but as long as there's a good meshing of the, the sensibilities. Yeah, I think that's the thing is, I,
1: I, I suppose it was just like, it feels like it's the meeting in two minds, although it was very, we never worked together. Um, so it's kind of like, I, when I read the script, it felt like um, it was a project I would have wrote myself. I think that's why I felt I could do it. Uh, it was a yeah. world that I understood. This is my kind of stuff. thing. Yes. Yeah, it felt very much, it, it felt like. It was exactly what I was looking for for my own first feature to be honest. <laughs> so that's why I was it, it was kind of like very much like the kind of shorts I had made and, and and I think that was another reason why Mac and the film board felt I was kind of a good a good fit for it. Um so I kind of felt like I understood what Fiona was and Kim were trying to get to, but maybe a bit of outsiders perspective was needed and I was able to take it in a sort of a slightly different direction that um they could or maybe a bit too close to it to see or whatever, you know, yeah. it's one of those things. Mm. And I, I suppose, um,
0: I was going to ask about what, what, what you meant by overly strong plot, like is that a bad thing for a plot to be too strong or is no, that no, 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 what's no. going on or...?
1: No, 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 I mean I suppose I just think that for me, I, I like films that are, you know, complex, real, three-dimensional characters that are put as a character-led but that have also got a stronger plot that there's tension, there's real dramatic tension mm-hmm. carrying you through. So, no, I'm, I'm a, you know, I think there always has to be that balance. I suppose uh, there's, uh, there, there tends to be a, it's almost like a genre in itself, the, the sort of more, if you want to say, character portrait, which has uh, not a lot of plot, but what there's, there's, there's a lot of emotional tension and stuff, but I, I, I like it for a cinematic experience, a, a, a strong sense of audience being really properly engaged and um, following through. I agree, because
0: yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, I mean, there was, it seemed like there was good pacing to this movie when I imagine with another director there couldn't have been. I mean, is, is pacing something you get a sense of in the writing of it, or is it like, does that come together through editing and other
1: things? I think it's, it's, a, mix, it's a mixture of both. I think what you're trying to do is, from the writing side of things is to keep the audience hooked in with the dramatic questions and kind of keep them going what's you know obviously first what's going to happen next but just caring about the characters, rooting about them, fearing for what's going to happen but, but just kind of hooked in with a specific little questions about what's, what's going on with this situation, what's mm-hmm. going on. that's how you propel things forward and then in terms of yeah it's just about thinking about how this, the sequences rise and fall and how you build little climaxes and how you're constantly building and building the tension. That's, that's, from my point of view, and then in terms of the edit, it's more, you suppose you music and all that sort of pacing as well, It's a, it's, a, it's a rewriting process again. You know? How do you keep that going? I
0: mean, there was one example I liked of, from Strangerland where uh, they decide, it's, it's Nicole Kim and Joseph Hines and their children go missing, so it's, I mean, the whole scene where, like, it just shows the missing poster on a photocopier. Yeah and then cut straight to the search. I mean, that's such an efficient way of getting the information across. You know, So was was stuff like that in the script where you're keeping in mind just how to... You don't need a scene where they then go taping the posters up mm. on that post. You just kind of like uh, go straight through it. Like I think, I think maybe
1: that's, I suppose, having trained as a director, I think that's probably where, where I have a bit of a, an advantage in terms of these things because I do think... I think in terms of how it's going to be edited, in terms of how... Or so how much you have
0: to shoot, so like, you know, you, you just get that one shot of the photocopier and mm-hmm. then that's like, that. yeah, you so get that the, the audience knows what's happening. Yeah, there.
1: so it's just about being efficient with, with that kind of exposition and, and then also, you know, how you, yeah, how you build the tensions in those scenes, you know, so... So uh, that's a good
0: way of keeping the pace and the momentum sort of going.
1: Yeah, but I think also what you have to have is that where, if you want to say where, where something like what what was necessary to... To really build tension is you have to know there has to be a ticking clock you know and the ticking mm-hmm. clock is you know this kind of four or five days of these kids are going to die if we don't find them and that's that that then gives you a context for tension that gives you a context to build and, and yes. everything else is because you know all the way through it that that endpoint point is, is looming so that gives you a great then you know framework to build on basically and
0: what's the balance between sustaining mystery and then sort of satisfying people's curiosity because on the one hand, uh, the ending is ambiguous but on the other hand, there's there's like a plot thread early on where they keep making veiled references to something the daughter did in a previous town and then about 25 minutes in, it is revealed what she did and I was, mm. I, I was kind of happy it was because it was sort of, the mystery was sustained for long enough. Mm where it was curious and it was the kind of right amount of shock from it, that it was a good time mm. to reveal it in the story. So how do you sort of gauge those kind of things when you want to leave something as a mystery and when is the right time to reveal it? Yeah, I, I think
1: that's that's sort of in the development, that's trial and error in terms of, I think it's it's, it's like that piece of Elastic's ring, you know, or Elastic that You stretch it and stretch it and stretch it until it becomes, it breaks because people's suspension of disbelief goes or whatever else. So you, you just want to get to that point where it's taught. Um, and you're withholding enough information, but you're also keeping people engaged in other ways that they're they're willing to keep going with the film. So there's a slow burn. In terms of an ending, well, that's a great. You know, for me, that was the constant conversation. You know, with, with producers and directors of finding that need for closure, enough closure that there's emotional closure. There's a lot of other closure. Maybe that, um, and I don't want to give any spoilers, but I suppose that. that if you have an ambiguous ending that you still, you need closure. I, I mean, very much, very, very big. On some level, like the emotional yeah, arc. Yeah, you have to have it. some level. You can't just leave people with nothing in that. And Yeah, it's really important to have that kind of, that sense of closure for an audience that they're not going out scratching their heads and feeling completely frustrated. Um, but it's it's a tricky one to balance with this one. Absolutely, I felt it was very, very tricky. And um, there's always gonna be people who feel They've got not enough do against people who feel like they have I think
0: and when it comes to character um like what's the key to writing a character that like isn't necessarily likable i mean i'm I'm thinking of Josephine's character. Mm-hmm. I feel like with the wrong actor, it, he would have been such a pain to watch. Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, oh, the right actor will convey everything that's going on with the character. But I suppose kind of a, a, like a protagonist doesn't need to be sort of likable as such. But like, what's what's the trick to getting the balance right where yeah, you can uh, have them be flawed but still sympathetic, and you still want to see what happens to them? Yeah. I mean, I
1: think that's. I, I think we're, we're far too enthralled this idea of likability in terms of on that script stage. Like at the end of the day, there's so much of likability or what mm. people will engage in. That, like you saw, you saw Whiplash or. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Miles Teller's character mm. in that. Like he's not like the most likable guy, but like, he, he nor is he like dislikable as such. He's just kind of, you know, flawed and, and you, you still invested in what happens to him. Yeah, but right you so invest because
1: you understand and you can identify with, with his situation. I mean mm. that's that's one of the, the core tenets of cinema is that ability to it, it allows you to be put in another person's subjectivity, another person's experience. So therefore even if they can be deeply flawed and even deeply unlikable Morally ambiguous, all those things. If you understand what they want, why they want it, and you can identify with the emotional need behind it, uh. So someone like Matthew, who's quite repressed and quite, you know, an angry character, but you can once you understand where that's coming from, you can understand why he's like that. Then you can go, okay, I'm with him. I can, I can, I can go on the journey with him. It's a massively important thing, you know. But if you don't understand that yet, forget about it. It's, it's. Not gonna happen. <laughs> mm. No, I mean, it's, just, it's something I've been looking
0: into more since uh, doing a screenwriter's course with Mary Kate Flanagan, mm-hmm. the uh, script reader. Um, I was wondering, what well, for someone like me who is starting out as a screenwriter, um, what's a good way of developing good daily writing habits and you know approaching projects you're working on?
1: Ooh, this is a tricky one. Um, I, I, don't know, I think it's really important. Like I suppose. And anything in this in this game, you learn by doing. So the more you do it, the better it is. I think just giving yourself when you're starting off. I think it's it depends what you want to do in terms of it depends what you want to do in terms. Of, if you just want to be a writer, then it's about looking at all the learning your craft and learning your craft by writing more and more features. So learning, understanding structure, understanding genre, understanding all those things, and then I suppose going to enough movies yourself and seeing what works. Then it literally is just, but I mean, I'm not a great believer. You have to write every day. I'm very much project by project. If I'm writing a project I'll work every day, and a project until I've finished, and then I, I may not write for a month or a week or two months, depends on when the next thing starts, you know. But again, because I'm, you know, trying to get the directing off the ground as well, it's slightly different for me. But I think, um, mainly the thing is you yeah, have to be. Find a routine that works for you. Find out and um, and just find out mostly what your own identity as a writer. Is. I think that's the most important thing, what you're trying to say, what you think you have to give, what, you know, if you are gifted with comedy, stick with comedy, get really good with comedy before, you know, don't scatter going everywhere. I think it's really important to get a mm. clear identity of who you are as a writer and what you want to say and what kind of material is best suited to you. Okay. And then get expertise in it because that's one of the problems, I think, is that People are always willing to, especially in Ireland, we like to begrudge and whinge, and but you take responsibility for your own quality and get better. Mm. And
0: yeah. and if you wanted to be a director, if, if like you, you're embarking on your first feature project mm. as a director, uh, what what advice would you have for people? Same, <laughs> even
1: more so. There's three really
0: important things. Be, being specific about what kind of story you want to tell that that only you can tell. Um, practice by doing. Uh, yeah, make
1: practice. make make as much stuff as you can. I think it's. It's, it's certainly easier now to, to pick up you know, equipment and stuff like that, but I think more important, you know, l- learning the techniques t- t- of, of filmmaking is, is pretty straightforward. It can happen pretty quickly. But the inner work, I think, is more important. Like, you know, you, look at, you, know, you don't get to be Lenny Everton without... There's a huge amount of inner work to know who he is, the kind of... Uh, what he stands for, um, his principles, his principles aesthetically, his principles morally, um, they're, they're all very strong, same with John Crowley. So, and, and, and so it's about, he is a very strong personality and persona as a filmmaker. Hmm. And, and, and I think
0: he has gotten stronger with each film. Yeah, I think absolutely. it is something that develops over the long term. Yeah, so. uh, He's uh, had his Oscar nominations now and everything. That's and and
1: self confidence as well. You know. hmm.
0: Well, you've had success with Stranger Land now, so congratulations. Thank, on you and thank you very much for talking to us. I
1: look forward to